ask you to guide my mind, my thoughts, strengthen my body, strengthen my mind. Lord, I pray that you just help us to be here tonight with open hearts and open minds, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, obviously, you can tell the th struggling a little bit with the throat. I appreciate again everybody coming out tonight that has come. I um, I dream one night that, that one day that Wednesday night will be a very important night to a lot of people. Uh, truthfully, uh, Wednesday night was probably for many many years my favorite service because it was the teaching night. It was the night where. Uh, you know, Sunday morning, I always said, you know, we, the, the was that evangel, uh, evangelistic meeting, so to speak, and trying to reach people for Christ. And, and uh, Sunday night, uh, honestly, for years, you know, 25 years of my early Christian life was really more for those faithful members to say, okay, it's time to uh, do a little correction, a little bit of, you know, let's get this thing straightened out and, uh, and some things knock off some rough edges. And you came back for Sunday night, so hopefully you're ready to, to take the hit and uh, knock off some rough edges. But Wednesday night was that night we just were taught, just taught the, the truths of the Word of God. And it was transforming for my life and honestly for my marriage, for my family, for my children, everything in my life, just going sitting there and listening to the teaching. And uh, many books came out of that. Uh, my preacher wrote many books, and those books came out of those Wednesday night services. But uh, I'm talking tonight about wonderful weakness, wonderful weakness, prayers unanswered by God, and pleading that seems to go unheard and unheeded by God, honestly simply reveals our weakness. And hopefully you'll understand this in just a second. But Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 13, you don't have to turn to it. I'll just read this one verse. It's, it says, consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? For who can, you know, when God asks, asks questions like this, we automatically think, well, you know, nobody. Well, the truth is, no human being can, but, but we're not even going to take time to go into it. But, but I think as Isaiah tells us that God says he can make it straight. He can make straight that which is crooked, but, but uh, sometimes we will face some things that are just seem to be like, you know, the road's not headed straight like it ought to be. It's just, it's, it's got a lot of bends and turns and a lot, of, a lot of issues here that are just conflict, so to speak, that, that, and I'm praying and praying and praying and begging God, but it's just not happening. And I, I say that a lot of times is simply revealing our weakness. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Bell, you're fired. I'm sorry. You sure you had? Put my tongue in. Put your tongue in it. Okay. I'm so excited. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 12, verse 6. Uh, it's this, uh, this sinus medicine has got me going, folks. I'm, uh, I'm just kind of in la-la land all day today. But Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, it says, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the, uh, the, the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, 
lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, at this point, really most of us don't have this much trouble. I mean, uh, Paul's talking about the fact that he's had a lot given to him through, the, through God, uh, through the Word of God, and God's really delivered a lot to him. And so uh, some people could look, you know, uh, the, a lot of things took place in Paul's life that, that people could have just looked at him and said, wow, they almost started worshiping him. And, and so he says, lest I should have that happen to me, lest I should be exalted above measure, uh, there's a, Satan has buffeted me. Now, uh, again, God has to allow anything that comes into our life. Anything that's happening in our life, it has to be allowed. He doesn't do it, but he, he allows it. And now it says in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, it's good that I'm weak. It's very good that I'm weak. He said, because unless I am weak, the power of Christ is not going to rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So number one, and, and uh, please bear with me tonight, but number one, we, just a simple point, we should always pray. Amen. Man, just, we should always pray. That's, you know, they call Wednesday night prayer meeting. Before we're done tonight, we'll stop you know, a few months earlier than we would normally would, and we'll have uh, a few minutes of, of uh, corporate pay, prayer here. And it's very, very important that we, that we pray, even when it seems that the prayers are not being answered. See, Paul, he's prayed, and he's prayed, and he's prayed, and the prayers have not been answered. It's not been what he's wanted. Uh, well, let me say this. He prayed three times before the prayer was answered, but even when it was answered, it wasn't answered the way he wanted it to be answered. So number two, so long as there is hope, we must hope and fast and pray. See, look, so long as there's a possibility, until God tells you otherwise, you need to keep praying for whatever it is. You need to keep going, keep praying. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 21 through 22, David said, Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For, he, for I said, Who can tell uh, whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? And so we see right here in David, it's a very uh, important passage of Scripture because David says, look, even though God had already passed judgment, uh, God said child's going to die, but David said, I'm appealing to the grace of God. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to, look, I, honestly, that's why I still pray for America. I believe America honestly has just kind of crossed the line. But I'm not God, and I don't know but that the grace of God, he might bring revival. Amen. And so we must continue to pray. And so David says, well, of course I'm going to pray. The child's alive, and as long as he's taking a breath, I'm going to continue to pray Amen. for him. When the child is dead, 
There's no more praying. There's nothing else that can be done. So number three, pray for each battle. And I hope you get this statement. Yesterday's answer is not for today's battles. Yesterday's answer is not for today's battle. If you go to 1 Chronicles now, chapter 14, and I'm not referring back to the passage, but honestly, you find this in the passage that we, we initially read. But yesterday's answer is not for today's battle. First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8 through 17 says, And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David. And David heard of it and went out against them. And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Raphim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? And wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, for I will deliver them into thine hand. So here, here's a, a battle. You've got God's people going against the world. Philistines, a picture of the world. David is leading God's people. They're going to go to battle. And I, I don't think I ever turned this on, did I? Okay, and so the Philistines go into battle, and and the truth is, if we were going to go fight against the world, the 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 flesh, the devil, you think, well, of course, God's going to bless, and I need to go. But David didn't just assume. David prayed and said, "Should I go up? Should I go up and battle against them? Well, this is the enemy. This is the Philistines. They want to kill them. But David still goes to God and prays and says, "Should I go up?" And God says, sure, go on up. And so look at verse 11. So they came up to Baal-perazim, and David smoked them there. Then David said, God hath broken in upon mine enemies by mine hand like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore they called the name of that place uh, Baal-perazim. And when they had left their gods there, David gave a commandment and they were burned with fire. And so David's destroying all the idols and, and all that. And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. So again, look, yesterday, so to speak, the enemy is here. I took time. I'm spiritual. I said, God, should I go? Although humanly, of course I'm supposed to go. Of course I'm supposed to fight this battle. Of course this is what I'm supposed to do. But I'm going to ask God anyway. And God said, go. And so God did. God blessed. We destroyed them. So now they've come back, put themselves in array. Folks, here is where we err so often. Look, God told me to go before, so I might as well go again. Folks, we cannot assume we have the answer just because this is what God said to do yesterday. And I know you don't you think, well, how can I apply this? But but, but the truth is, we, we have to know, and I'm going to make an illustration, and hopefully you'll understand it later, but, but we can't go by what God said before. We've got to keep talking to God with every battle that comes. We've got to make sure that we're talking to God about every battle that comes. And when they had left their God, let's see, in, the, in verse 13, the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said unto him, Go not up after them. Look at this. He's going to them, and surely God's going to say, go get them. And God says, don't. God says, don't go after them. Go not up after them. Turn away from them, 
and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. This is kind of, I, I have a message, and I don't know if I'll ever preach it here, but it's called Strange Instructions. The Bible is full of so many strange instructions. If you ever think about it, it, it just, some of the things that even Jesus tells his, his disciples to do, some of it's strange. But, Look at this, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And it shall be that when thou shalt hear a sound of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt go out to battle. So you got everybody out here, he's talked to God, and God's basically said, go out here by the, beside the trees, and when you, when you hear the trees start rustling up at the top, now you can go to battle. It, it, you say, what does that mean? I don't have a clue. I really don't. I mean... Why would God do it that way? Why would he say, was that the angels coming in for landing? Was that, you know, what was, what was happening here that you got to go by these mulberry trees and you got to sit out there until the wind starts blowing them? But that's what he told him to do. He said, and it shall be when thou shalt hear of a sound of the going in the top of the mulberry trees that then thou shalt go out to battle for God has gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. David therefore did as God commanded him, and they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon into Gezer, and the fame of David went out into all lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. You see, an error is that we don't go back to God to affirm his direction for new opportunities and new battles. We know he wants us to fight this battle, so we fight but God wants not only obedience for us to fight, but he also wants obedience to how, when, and where. It's very important that we don't assume we know the will of God, that we go to God to find out what it is. And here's a little bit of an illustration, a pretty simple illustration, but, but um, when we were selling our home in Indiana, we had it up for sale. We were going to move to North Carolina. And God, I'd been walking and praying and I asked the Lord how much to, to put it up for sale or to, that I should sell it for. And God put a figure in my mind and, and I told you, Beth, that's the figure that we're going to sell this house for. And honestly, it was, it was a pretty high figure. And I said, but you know, the Lord told me that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not, gonna, not to sell it like that. We didn't, we had, oh, just a drove of people that came through. I mean, my goodness, we had so many people coming by and looking at the house. And, and uh, but we didn't get any offers until I think probably my second or third day in ICU where I was laying in a hospital. And I really don't know, Joe Beth could probably tell you better, but it was at a point where I still had the trach tube down. I couldn't speak. They were, uh, maybe by this time, they had unstrapped me. They, <laughs> I was going to kill somebody if they hadn't done time my arms, you know, so I could move around. But, um, but I'm laying there, my wife, and, and it's so in and out, and, I, and she doesn't even know if I'm going to live, and she's beside me asking me, told me that somebody had made us an offer on the house. And I can remember very vaguely, she's, she's looking at me and, getting right down in my face saying, what do I do? And, and I can't speak, I can't anything, so he gives me a little piece of paper. 
And I can remember her telling me what the price was, and truthfully, the price was a good price, but it wasn't the number that God had put on my heart and what he had told me. And so I can't remember exactly how I wrote it, but I wrote no, and I wrote the amount that God had told me to take. And so now, truthfully, we couldn't have, we couldn't have sold then anyway. She didn't know at that moment if I'd even live much less be able to sell a house and move out of a house and do all that. It was impossible. Now, I believe that God had given me the figure for a reason, but it wasn't to sell the house. See, over a year later, the house, we had never, from that point, for over a year, we never had another offer. People came through, and by the droves, they came through. We had so many appointments and people coming to view the house. But over a year, the house had not sold. And I was walking and asking the Lord what I should do. And he clearly said to my heart that I should accept any offer that came in. I can remember walking that night at some place, some distant state. We were in a hotel room, and I was walking out that night. At the time, I, I was, I was going to have to have my second reconstructive surgery because I had a hernia about half size of a, of a softball that, that was sticking out of my gut. And, uh, and, I, and I said, Lord, I, you know, we, we're living out of a motor home. We have nothing. I don't understand what you're doing. I said, what, what do I do? And the Lord, as clear as day, said, sell the house for whatever offer is made. And I, don't, I can't explain how he says that to me, but it was just so clear. I came back and I told Joe about God told me to sell it for whatever offer. I said, but it doesn't really matter because nobody's made an offer in a year. Two days later, we had an offer. $39,000 under what we had listed. The realtor came to me and said, Bill uh, uh, Hooker, she knew me, and she said, um, we, we need a counter, don't we? And I said, no. She said, you don't want to counter? She said, you've got to counter. That's, that's way too low. And I said, I know it is. I said, but God told me to accept whatever offer came in. So I've got to accept it. And she couldn't understand it. I'm sure to this day she still can't understand it. Most people, most businessmen would not understand it. But God clearly told me to do that. Now, I... Accepted because God said to accept whatever the offer was. And it didn't make sense to anybody else around. But it probably made no sense for David to go out to, not to go to battle after he had already defeated them once. And what was he to do? Wait for the movement of the, in the top of the mulberry trees. None of that would make sense to anybody else. But in both cases, regardless of how it seemed to other people, the end result was victory. See, you keep praying earnestly. Paul said in verse 8 that he had asked the Lord three times to heal him. And you just keep praying until God answers. But here's the most important point of what I'm trying to say tonight. We've got to be ready to accept God's answer. When God answers, there's really no need to pray more about it for we will simply be praying to have God change his perfect will for us. And this is where it becomes really hard. When you walk with God and talk with God, when he tells you 
this is it? Can I be honest with you, folks? Can, can you talk God into changing it? It may be possible, but you're changing, I believe you're changing his perfect will. I believe we need to walk with him in such a way that when he says, here's your answer, that we say, I accept your answer. We need to rejoice in the wisdom and power and omniscience of God that what he has answered is best for us. So I'm going to finish the illustration of the house and maybe this all will make a little bit of sense and, and I promise you hopefully by Sunday it'll be better because I, I won't be on drugs because they'll probably arrest me driving home tonight. But I believe God told me the original price to sell the house, but it did not sell. But if it had, now think about this. He told me the original price, but it wasn't to sell the house. It's so that it wouldn't. You see, if we sold that house or had sold the house, we would not have been minutes away from the hospital. We would not have had a hospital flooded with friends of a lifetime before I ever even entered surgery. My wife, and it was emergency, and they were moving as fast as they could move, but she says the entire waiting room was jam-packed with people within a half hour of the word getting out. We would not have had people that would, that would have supported and loved and provided for my wife through the next 27 days. We would not have had visitors every day of my stay. 27 days, and my wife said never a day went by that I didn't have more than one visitor come to see us. And to me, most of those days, it really didn't matter because I didn't remember them being there. But to her, it was an incredible encouragement and blessing. And when I became alert enough and realized that they had also left money, it was an incredible blessing to me. <laughs> she made a list, and she kept a list of everybody that came in so that I could know that they were there. We, uh, after I got out of the hospital, probably about a month later, I was finally able to travel. I wasn't supposed to, but my wife drove me down to Tennessee, and we had a little get-together with the family. And my cousin Norman was there, and he's, he's a really good guy. And I walked up to Norman, and I said, Norman, thank you for coming to see me at the hospital. And he just kind of hung his head, and he said, Bubba, he said, I didn't, I didn't come up. I said, I know that. Joe Beth kept a list. I said, but I talked to you. Because if you've ever been in that situation in a hospital, you talk to all kinds of people that are not there. <laughs> and most of my really good conversations were people that never came. <laughs> but God put that price in my heart so that we would not sell. The, God, the price that God put on my heart was a price to keep, us, keep it from being sold, not to sell it. Later, when God told me to sell it for whatever was offered, I believe in, even then it was because it was a couple of things. One, it was to test me whether I was going to, tr to just to trust him. But also I believe that he knew that, 
that in the economy and different things that were going on there in our, in our area, it was a wonderful area, but still the economy the way it was, that I believe God knew that when that offer came, that if I had countered it, I believe, still believe this is my heart, if I had countered it, that they would have pulled away from the offer. But by not countering it, they couldn't. They had made an offer. Now that leads us to the day. God has not told me to take whatever is, is offered for my house in North Carolina. But if I have an offer tomorrow, I will have to ask him again, what should I do with this opportunity or battle? I just can't assume if somebody comes in with a good offer or somebody comes in with a lower, I can't assume that I'm supposed to take it or not take it. I've got to talk to God because he knows what's best for us. And when he answers, I must be willing to accept that answer. That's where the problem comes. We've got to be willing to accept the answer when it comes. It was not a, in, that, in the house we sold in, 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 in uh, Crown Point. I, the Lord had told me to take the offer. I took the offer. Uh, it was very, very low. And then... Uh, uh, they, I, I forget exactly what it was, but they wanted something done or something. And so uh, they said, well, you know, if you'll do this to the house, whatever, they'll put, they'll give us 4,000 more than what the offer was. And so I said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. But, you know, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't the, the original offer. It wasn't the deal. And, and two different things happened uh, before we finalized the deal that, that, I had to spend $1,500 on one thing and I had to spend $2,500 on another thing that took that $4,000 back away from the, the actual price. And, and all it was was God says, look, I'm trying to teach you, son. When I talk to you, do exactly what I say. And can I tell you, folks, it, the dollar's not more important than obedience to God. He knows so much better than we do. He, he knows it's so much better than we do. We've got to be willing to accept the answer that he brings. For when we are strong, uh, or we are strong only when we realize our weakness and his strength becomes our strength. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When we are so weak, we know we don't have the answer. We become strong knowing God does have the answer. He says, most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And, and, and some of those infirmities is just simply looking at God and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. You've got to tell me. You've got to guide me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. And the truth is, when, when you honestly look at it and say, Lord, it's good not to know. It's good not to have all the answers. It's good to have to come seek you and say, Lord, please tell me what to do. And I can't tell you how he's going to tell you what to do, and I can't even explain it, but I'm just, I can just tell you I've come back so many times and from, with my uh, walking and praying and tell my wife, I believe God's... I, look, before we came here, and I think I already told you, God told me back in November... That, that before Christmas, something was going to happen. Something, God was going to move us. God was going to do something. I didn't know what. I didn't know how. I, I, I had no idea that it was going to be some, some uh, uh, old man from Tennessee that would call me. But he did. 
And I'll be honest with you, there's something mighty special when you can say, for when I'm weak, then am I strong. So my challenge tonight, just please, please, we, we assume too much. I used to hear my preacher give an illustration, and he would say, you know, sometimes I'll pray. You know, I have two or three different ways to go home, and I'll get ready to leave the church. He would say, I pray, Lord, which way do you want me to drive home? And I catch myself today, I'll start to go a direction and, and driving, or, or I'll, even to walk and pray, I'll, I'll start to turn a direction, and it's like the Lord says, nope, go the other way. And sometimes it may be something so minor just to see part of his, you know, his creation. The other night I started out and so I turned left because it's a longer walk going left to down where we're living now. And, but the Lord just said, turn right. I turned right and then it came to the next street and turned right again and went down there. And, and I've never seen this in my life, in my life. But sitting right in the middle of the road was a little owl. And I, loved, I just love wildlife. And he's just sitting there. And I thought he's hurt or he's been hit or he's something. And I walked up and I got, I got this far from him. I could reach out and touch him. And he wouldn't move except he'd just turn his little head around. And they can turn their head all the way around, you know. And I just, I kept walking around him just to watch him turn his old head around. You know? it, was, it was the coolest thing in the world. I took a picture of it. I walked all the way back to the house, and I got Joe Beth. I said, you got to come with me. And I put her in the car, drove her back. He's still sitting in the road. And I thought, well, this thing's got to be hurt. So I, I, I didn't want to reach down there because he might not be, you know, he might be healthy enough still to bite something, you know, so... So I, I took a little stick and just kind of poked at him. He just got up and flew away. Wasn't nothing wrong with it. Just got up and flew away. And I just felt like, Lord, you just did that for me. You sent me here just to enjoy something that really means a lot to me when I'm walking at night. I love to see God's creation. Just trust him. And when it doesn't seem he's answering, he is answering. And his answer is always good. We're going to take just a few minutes. Brother Allen's going to come up and he's going to remind us of some of our important prayer requests and then we're going to take a few minutes.